0: Let me move this television. I'm always tempted to just teach behind the TV, so you guys don't have to see me. Hey guys. Hey, we're glad you are here. I got to do something real quick. Um, I'm teaching. One of the things I'm teaching about tonight is distractions, and there's something that's I've noticed like all night, and I just gotta I gotta, I gotta clean it up. There's paper on the ground. Hi guys. Hi. Sorry, i am just, I got to clean the building tomorrow. I'm just going to pick this up now. Whoever left their note, I'm going to read it. Oh, my. Guys, it's a Valentine. Do you guys want to hear it? It says, roses are red, and I've been thinking, I sure would love to date Cohen Lincoln. What? Cohen? Cohen. My man, there is somebody in this room who loves you. Jeez, how many guys really love Cohen Lincoln? Isn't he the best? Okay, that was... Cohen, you're loved more than that, I promise you. Hey, we are glad you were here tonight, including you, Cohen. I'm glad you're here as well. You're one of my favorite Lincolns. I'm not going to whistle like that for him, though. Uh, We hope... If it's your first night here, we hope it's not your last. If you're here every week, we're thankful for your faithfulness or anywhere in between. Um, We hope that Drive can help you build a relationship with Christ, build a relationship with other Christians, and just really strengthen your walk with Jesus. And uh, if you were here last week, we started a new series. We're going through the book of James. Uh, We're going to break it down verse by verse. There's only five chapters, so it's not like the biggest book of the Bible or anything like that. But we're going to finish the first chapter tonight. We did the first half of chapter one last week through the second half of chapter one tonight. So here's the thing, maybe you go home and if you're here last week, you already knew we were talking about the book of James, maybe this week you've been reading the book of James in your Bible study time and that's really cool, or maybe tonight you're like, I wanna go home and read it. It's only five chapters, like I said, you could read it all in one sitting, it's not the longest book or anything like that. And that's really awesome uh, if, if you read the whole book of the uh, book of James or even the whole Bible. It's really cool if you come to drive or you go to church on Sunday, whether you come to Miles City or you have a home church of your own, we think it's awesome that you go to church anywhere, and maybe you sit and you listen really good during the message, you're like, that was an awesome message, and I do hope that you enjoy the message tonight, I don't want to be like, boring to you or anything like that, but here's the deal, you can read your Bible, you can listen to the message, you can do all this stuff, but if we don't take anything from it afterwards... If, if none of it resonates, if none of it sits with us, what good is it for us? Maybe it's an entertaining 20 to 25-minute lesson. Maybe the Bible reading like, filled you up like, emotionally or something like that. But, but the hope is that you can take home what you hear tonight, or you can open up your Bible at home and read it, and it can impact your life moving forward, all right? Have you ever been given good advice and you didn't take it? That seems like a silly question because who would not take good advice? But the truth is a lot of us have. Maybe at the time you didn't think it seemed like good advice. Maybe it came from someone you didn't really want to take advice from, like a parent or a friend or even more so an enemy. Uh, But you're like, I'm not going to take that advice. That's kind of like what happens when we hear a message or we read the Bible and we see what God wants us to do, and then we don't do it. It's like taking advice and saying, hey, thanks for that, but I'm not going to do any of those things. Maybe let's use a couple different examples. Maybe you study for a test. Maybe you got a huge test coming up, whether it's math, science, geography, Bible, whatever. But you've been cramming and studying. you got your note cards. You've got everything. And you were like, I know all the information. And then you sit down to take the test, and you just bomb it. You you lose all. You can't retain any of the information. So you did all that time studying and listening and preparing. And then when it came time to perform, you didn't do so good. Some of you guys play sports. And, you know, your coaches will tell you to run drills or run plays. I know we got basketball players here, volleyball players, football players, baseball players. Any, anyone who plays sports, you have practice, right? I coach basketball, and, and my, my basketball league is not competitive. It's a city recreational league. And why I say it's not competitive, the goal of our league is to teach kids the fundamentals about basketball. What that means is we have a lot of kids who can play basketball, and they're pretty good. But then we have kids who are like, I've, I have two kids on my team this year who have never played basketball before this season in their life. And so they're just learning the game. And so it's not really competitive, but even with that we still try to teach them things. Me and my son coach, we still try to teach them plays. And it's frustrating as a coach sometimes where we go over a play and practice over and over and over. In fact, this past week we spent our entire Monday and Thursday practice running one specific play. Then we get to the game. We're in the huddles. We're like, "Alright guys, we're going to run that play, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Trey, you know where to go? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jordan, you know where to go? I have a kid named Jordan on the team. Yeah, I know where to go. Caden, you know where to go? Yeah, and they all know where to go. And then the game starts, and none of it worked. None of them went where they were supposed to go. They passed the wrong way. They cut the wrong way. They set the screen on the wrong person, and they said it early. They forgot everything. All that practice was sort of a waste of time because they heard us, but they didn't do anything with it, right? We're going to kind of look at the equivalent of that with listening And doing, As we read the rest of the first chapter of James, we talk about listening and doing. And really to sum up what we're going to read tonight, what James is telling us is not just be a listener, but be a doer. Let's dive into it and pick up in verse 19 and 20. We're going to put it right on the screen there. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We start off with some good stuff, all right? We need to be slow in some things in life. And we need to be quick in some things in life. Maybe you've heard this before, but we have two ears and one mouth. Why? Because we should listen twice as much as we should talk. All right, that's good advice. Some of us don't take that advice, right? Some of us talk twice as much as we listen. But it's important to listen. You might even say, the first thing we take from this is, you need to listen up. All right. When it comes to reading God's word, we need to listen up. As we get farther into the book of James, uh, I think in a couple weeks, we're going to see that we have to take it a step beyond listening into doing. But, but you can't take that second step of doing without listening first. If you don't listen to God, you're not going to do what God wants you to do because you won't know what God wants you to do if you never listen to it. For some of us, we struggle with this first part. We struggle with listening. Some of you guys, the hardest part of youth group is right now when you just have to sit and be quiet and listen to me for a few minutes. It's hard to listen sometimes. There's distractions everywhere. People can distract us. Right now, Cohen is listing off every girl in the youth group, like, who loves me? I don't know. And he's trying to figure it out. And how many you got it narrowed down to, bro? A dozen? He's like, it could be any of them. I'm really lovable, all right? you know. But it's distracting. In a setting like this, The person you might want to really listen, but the person behind you is whispering, right? You ever had that happen? Or, or they're just clicking a pen. They Just click, 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 click click, click, and you're like, I'm gonna kill someone to drive. You know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be my last drive and I'm gonna start a prison ministry, right? All right, maybe, maybe you just hear like a buzz or something. Like earlier today, we were sitting in here and Travis and Isaac were playing guitar and there's like this buzz coming out of the speaker and I'm glad they got it fixed because if they didn't, I guarantee no matter what I said, you guys would be like, what is that buzz? Through the whole lesson. Let me tell you a personal story. Sometimes it's not even a big deal and sometimes it's not someone trying to distract you. One time when I was in youth group, we went to a youth event and they had this speaker who was really good. I'd heard him before. He was really excited. I was excited to hear him. His name was Jamie Ragle. And he's like, like, when I got saved, when I made Christ my Savior, he was the preacher at the summer camp. And I was pumped to hear him. And he was getting fired up. And he was yelling. He was screaming about Jesus. like, ah! And he starts spitting and stuff like that. And sometimes I spit and I can see it. I hope you guys don't see it because the lights are brighter here. But he spit and like this loogie, I don't know what else, like formed right here. And it just stayed there the rest of his message. And I couldn't tell you anything he said because all I'm doing is staring and be like, dude, wipe your mouth. Dude, wipe your mouth. Please, for the love of God, wipe your mouth. I will get saved right now. Just wipe your mouth. And as he's talking, he's like, Jesus, blah, blah. I just see this like kind of a booger on his mouth for like 20 minutes. I was distracted. I still remember that distraction, but I don't remember the message. And sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes something happens that just takes all of our attention, takes all of our focus, and we just lose sight of what we're supposed to be listening to. We can even distract ourselves. Maybe we can't stop thinking about a conversation we had today that went right or that went wrong. You know, some of the couples are like, how did Gwen and Liam get a perfect score, right? You know, like, they're like, there's no way. I will tell you that I talked with Gwen's mom to see if there's any cheating. She's like, actually, a lot of those things happened today. So, ladies, if you're upset that you lost, Gwen got coughed or sneezed on today. So, it's, you know, it might be worth taking the L on that one because your boyfriend did not cough onto you, all right? Uh, but, you know, we think about things like, what am I going to do when I get home? Some of you guys are already thinking about what's going to happen after drive. Some of you guys haven't had dinner yet and you just feel your stomach gurgling. You're like, please, don't make any sounds, right? Sometimes we think about what we're doing tomorrow. Whatever it is, distractions are everywhere and the end result is always the same. When we get distracted, we don't listen well. And I'm not saying that Satan will use clicking pens or drool or anything like that, but I do think that the enemy has a couple tools in his tool bag that he really likes to use and it's the verse we read. He likes to use anger and he likes to use us talking to keep us from listening. For some of us, the reason we don't listen well is because we can't stop talking. You know, someone wants to pour into your life and speak into your life and tell you what you need to improve and tell you where you're struggling, and you're quick to defend or excuse or justify or just dismiss them. Some of you, when someone comes to you and tells you, hey, I think you ought to be doing this, your response is anger. And when, you uh, you guys know, when you're angry with someone, you don't want to hear what they have to say, right? You're like, get out of my face. You don't say it out loud because a lot of times if it's your parents you can't say that, that would make things much worse. But that's how it works is when we get angry, when we're talking, we can't listen well. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I do think it's important to take a second and say that it says to be slow to those things. It's not a sin to speak, obviously. We're all going to talk tonight. In fact, when we go into small groups, we're going to ask you questions. And I hope that you guys talk. It's also not a sin to be angry. If it was, Jesus was a sinner, and that would make what he did on the cross for us worthless, but Jesus was perfect. So if Jesus got angry and Jesus was perfect, what does that teach us? It's that it's okay to be angry sometimes. It's what we do with that anger that matters, and what we're getting angry about. We can read in the Bible times where Jesus was angry. It's not a sin to be angry, but we should be slow to anger. If everything upsets you, if everything angers you, then you might have an issue. And you need to find ways to slow down that anger. If any time a conversation starts, you just need to be heard. Some people aren't really listening to you. They're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can start talking. If that's you and you don't care what other people say and you don't care what other people's thoughts are, you just want your thoughts to be heard, you need to slow down in your speaking and be willing to listen more, all right? So when you read the Bible and it tells us to do something, and you say, what does that look like, a good way to Help us understand that is try to picture what Jesus would do. Jesus was slow to speak. He could have said so much more than he did. Jesus was slow to anger. He got angry, but not a lot. And Jesus was quick to listen. Everyone who came to Jesus with questions, he heard them and he listened to them and he responded to them. So we need to be quick to listen, all right? It's important that we listen up, but that's not all. Let's go back to the text. Verse 21 and 22, it says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I played the church game for a long time. I grew up in church. Um, I've gone to church my whole life. It wasn't until I was 17 years old that I made Christ my Savior. And I was deceiving myself. See, I thought I fooled people. I thought I had fooled people into thinking I was a good churchgoer. Like I knew the Bible verses, I was good at memory verses, I was good at sword drills, if you guys remember those things. Like I was awesome, I was good at Awana, I had all the jewels, right? I was awesome at this stuff. But I didn't know Jesus, and I was not a doer of the word, I only heard it. I thought I was deceiving everyone else, who I was fooling was myself, into thinking that what I was doing was good enough, but it wasn't. If you think that hearing the word is good enough, and you don't have to do it, then the only person you're fooling is you. And that might be where some of you are tonight. Let's talk about this part at the top. It says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, all right? That's all the sin in our lives. You know, I try not to teach about specific sins. I think that's a hard topic to talk about because a sin that I struggle with might not be a sin that, that you struggle with and a sin that she struggles with might not be one that he's ever committed or anything like that. But sin in general is something that we all face, Sin in general is something that we all have to deal with. Sin in general is something we all can slip into. Specific sins are different for each of us. But we all have to face the sin problem in our life. Sin keeps us from listening to God. When we choose sin, we are choosing to ignore God, and we are choosing to say, God, I'm not going to listen to you. But when we put that away, when we say, I'm going to leave that sin behind, and I'm going to fight against that sin and against that urge to sin, We can receive the word and listen. Verse 22 is where it takes you to to take a next step. It says doers of the word and not hearers only. If we could sum that up, it says this, step up. First we have to listen up. Then we have to step up. Listen to what God says and then do what God says. Be a doer. I like how plain it is. Be a doer of the word. There's nothing fancy. James is saying what you hear God say, do it. All right, just like Nike, just do it. Later in the book, he takes it a step farther and he equates it to faith. He says, if you don't have works in your life, if you're not doing things for God in your life, your faith is dead. And that's a pretty bold statement. That's what he says. We'll get there in a couple weeks. Now, he's not saying, and this is important, you guys. I want you to hear this. James is not saying you have to do good things in order to have faith in God because that's what a lot of people will teach you. That's what some religions teach you. Maybe that's what you've grown up believing But what James is saying is that doing things is not what gives us faith in God. It's the evidence of our faith in God. And that's where a lot of people get mixed up, is we think that it's our good deeds that save us from our bad deeds. But that's not true at all. Some people think doing good things is what makes us good people. Oh, I'm a good person because I help people. I help my grandma, right? I take out the trash when my parents ask me to. I'm nice to people, Oh man, I messed up this week, I got into a fight with my parents, I'll, I'll make it up to them and I'll, I'll, I'll do something good. And then God will be happy with me. And we think that doing good is like this balancing act, like we're walking on a tightrope, like, oh, oh I did something bad, I got to do something good, and, just, and it's like this tightrope that we're walking on. And that's how a lot of us think life is, but that's not what we see here in James, it's not what we see really anywhere in scripture. God is not holding a checklist, and when you sin, he's like, mm, I knew it. I knew it, and then you've got to do something to make him erase it. That's not how it works with God, where he's watching you mess up, oh, minus, oh, he did something good, okay, plus. It's not a balance sheet, all right? It's not how God works, but then, you know, he doesn't erase the sin when you do something good. He erased the sin when he died on the cross for us. You can't erase your sins. That's the heart of the gospel, is that we have all sinned, we've all made mistakes, and there's nothing we can do on our own to make up for those things, So, doing good is not about fixing our mistakes. Jesus did that for us. So, why should we do good? Because we love God and we want to be faithful to Him. Doing good is a reflection of our love and our faith in God. That's also why we listen to Him. You're more likely to listen to someone that you love than someone you don't love. Hopefully, you love your parents. You know, I I don't know every relationship, and I know it sounds silly, but some people here might not love their parents. Some people here might have a strained relationship. But if you have a good relationship with your parents, hopefully you love them, and so when they speak into your lives, you listen. But if it's like the teacher that you hate, and they want to speak into your life, you don't want to listen to them, right? Because you can't stand them, and you think they don't like you. When we love someone, we're more prone to listen to them. James says that if we're hearers only and not doers, we're deceiving ourselves, we're tricking ourselves. You're fooling yourself, and when you choose not to do what God has told you to do. Okay, let's go on to verse 23 and 24. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. I love this example, all right? What James is saying is someone who listens to the word, someone who listens, whether you listen at a lesson time or whether you open it up and read it on your own, someone who listens to the word but then doesn't do what God says, that's like looking in the mirror in the bathroom, turning around and forgetting what you look like. You don't even know what you look like. Think about how much time you spend in front of the mirror getting ready for school, or even coming to drive, or you gotta go out somewhere, right? We all take a look in the mirror. Some of us are a little more vain; it takes us more time. But think of all the things we check out when we look in the more in the mirror. We look at what needs to be fixed. Like maybe you need to shave. I, I didn't shave today. I'm like, I caught myself when I was washing my hands in the bathroom. Like, oh, I need to shave. All right. Uh, maybe your hair is all crazy. I don't have this problem specifically, but some of you do. Some of you guys wake up like my hair is a mess. You're like I gotta fix that. And there's something. And here's one for me. It's like maybe like ear hairs, nose hairs, like, I am aware that I have them, and uh, they're gray, by the way, because I'm getting old, I have gray ear hairs now, and I see them, I'm like, well, those gotta go, and like, uh, here's the thing, um, I love my wife, we've been married for 20-something years, uh, I will find nose hairs, and I will, I will snip them out, because if she sees them, she yanks them out of my nose. She's like, "Hey, come here." I'm like, "What?" She's like, Kir-! "I'm like, what did you do that for?" It's really mean. Like, it, she does it lovingly, but it hurts very, very bad. You know, but uh, or maybe, maybe I mean, let's say some of you guys went to homecoming last week. You look in the mirror and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I got a zit." like right here, and it's like the size of a unicorn's horn. And you're like, what do I do? i got to cover this up, right? The mirror shows us all these things we got to fix with our face if we want to look our best before we head out the day. And so we spend some time in the mirror fixing the thing. Now imagine if you did that, and you got yourself all ready for the day, you're getting ready to go to school, you turn around, and you're like, what do I look like? I don't remember. And you got to look again. Like, okay, okay. What do I look like? I don't remember. I gotta look again. And you just constantly be looking back and forth and back and forth. That is what James says life is like when we listen to the word, but we don't do what God says. We constantly forget who we are. We constantly forget what needs to be fixed. We constantly forget our imperfections. We constantly forget where we need God to work in our lives. Constant forgetfulness. All right? God's word is a mirror. That when we hold it up to our lives, it shows us where we fall short. It shows us the things we need to work on. It shows us those things that say, ooh, I don't like that so much. I need to get rid of that. And that's a good thing because God wants us to better ourselves. God wants us to look our best and be our best. Imagine if you looked in this mirror and you saw all that stuff and you turned around and you just forgot about it. None of us would do that before we head out, out for the day. And yet we do that with our spiritual life all the time. God's word, the mirror, shows us where we need to do things to make ourselves best. Now, this verse really has nothing to do with what you look like. It has everything to do with what's going on in here in your heart. All right? Let's go to verse 25. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, I highlighted the law of liberty. I just want to take a second to talk about Liberty, all right, because liberty is a big deal. Maybe you don't know really what liberty is. It's more than just a statue in New York. It's actually something our nation is founded upon is liberty. Liberty is when we are free from oppressive restrictions. You know, as as Americans, we, we believe that we are freed ourselves from these oppressive restrictions of other nations, and so we believe in liberty here in the United States. James is reaffirming the point that doing good is not because we have to undo the bad, it's not we're, not, we're not restricted. We're not oppressed. We have liberty. We have freedom. You can really do whatever you want in this life. God lets you choose what you want to do with your life. You don't get to choose the consequences, but you get to choose. And so, what's cool about that is, is when we understand doing good, for those of us who follow Christ, doing good is not an obligation, it's an opportunity. It's not a restriction, it's a response. We should want to do good. We don't have to do good, but we should want to. All right, let's go to the rest of the verses. 26, it says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, he mentions religion, and that's what a lot of religionists teach is that we have to earn our way to God. Different religions have different gods. And a lot of religions say you've got to earn your way to him. Our religion, Christianity, what we believe is that our God came to us. I can't earn my way to Jesus. And because he knew that, he came to me and he said, I will make the way. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. All right? We don't see in the Bible that you've got to earn your way to heaven. We see verses that say this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I talked about this, I think, last week. The worst thing you've ever done, the worst decision you've ever made, the most hurt you've ever inflicted on someone, Jesus loved you in that moment just as much as he loves you right now while you were sitting in church. There's nothing you can do that can make Jesus love you more. There's nothing you can do that make him love you less. Following Christ isn't doing good and listening to him so he will love us. It's doing good and listening to him because he loves us. You might be here tonight, and you might not understand that God loves you. And, and I don't want to assume that it's just like, okay, someone here for the first time. You might be here for the millionth time, and you've never really listened to that. You've never really heard that God loves you, all right? Following Christ is doing good. So how does he close out the chapter? What does doing good look like? Well, it says pure religion is visiting orphans and widows in their affliction, now, it doesn't mean we have to go visit orphans and widows. What it means is that if we want to listen up and step up, then we have to show up, meaning we have to take Jesus into the lives of the people who need him. Now, when he said orphans and widows, at the time in the culture, orphans and widows were the people who needed the most help. Those are the ones who are in the most need. Those are the ones who were the most uh, desperate. Those were the ones who were the most helpless. And so when it says pure religion is to go to them, and serve them what that means is for us today to follow god means to take the love of christ to the people who need him the most i want you to think about what that looks like for a second who needs jesus the most is it your neighbor is it your parent is it your friend is it someone on your on your on your ball team there is someone in your life that needs jesus and if we listen to him and we do good for him then the next step is we need to share that goodness and that love with that person who needs him. So let's sum this up, all right? We want you to listen up. We want you to step up, and we want you to show up. What might that look like for us today? Listen up. Are you quick to listen in life, you guys? Are you quick to speak and be angry? Maybe tonight what you need to work on is your listening. Don't let those things distract you from what God wants you to hear. Listen up by getting into the word and letting messages speak to you. Step up. Take what you heard and put it into practice. Do you have a sin problem that you need to, to address? Confess it to God. Talk to a leader about it. If you're struggling with a sin and you're like, I don't know how to beat this thing, I don't know how to overcome this thing, I don't know how to leave this thing behind, talk to your leader before you go home tonight. Let him pray with you. Let him show you in Scripture how you can can overcome that sin because Jesus did not save you to leave you in slavery to your sin. He, He saved you from your sin, and you can leave that sin behind, all right? Even when it's hard to do, let the word be a mirror to show you where you need work and do that work. And remember what you look like and show up. Take what we hear and what we do to those who need to hear it too. The gospel is not just good news for us. The gospel is good news for everyone and the people in your life too need to hear it. Like I'm not, listen, I'm not this type of guy who it's like, oh, you never really know. But I was scrolling on my phone before we got started tonight. And here's what's crazy about how little we are promised tomorrow. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl this week, all right, and uh, that's cool, I guess, if you're a Chiefs fan, some of you guys, that doesn't really matter. Uh, they're having a parade today, and I don't know if you guys saw this on the news, there was a shooting, like 25 people got shot, going to watch a football team win a championship. Some people lost their lives. I'm not a scared Jesus into you type person, but I do want you to know we are not promised Tomorrow. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, I'm listening, but I'm going to wait to step up. I'm going to wait to show up until I'm done with, until I'm done with school, until, until I know a little bit more about what I want to do with life. We don't know how long we have. We don't know what tomorrow brings. All I know is this, Jesus is here now, and we have the opportunity now to listen to him, to do what he says, and to take what he has said into the world that needs him. So let's pray for those opportunities as we close tonight. Father, we come to you tonight, we just thank you for loving us. I think of this tragedy that's uh, happened uh, over in Kansas City tonight. I think of those who've been affected. I pray that there are people in those communities that follow you, that serve you, that they will listen to you, step up and show up in those needs. I pray you give us opportunities to step up and show up in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our families, in the lives of the people sitting around us. Father, I pray for those of us who struggle to listen to you. Let us hear from you. Let us seek your voice. Let us get rid of the distractions and listen to you more clearly. I pray that we can step up and not just be listeners, but be doers. And I pray that we can show up, show up in a world that is desperate for you. Let us be your hands and your feet to a world that needs to hear from you. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, and we praise you for what you're going to do to come. In your name we pray. Amen.